Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. 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 You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. CFL podcast the I can't believe this season is almost over already edition my name's Oz Davis I'll be your co-host for the show as always and joining me as always is my co-host Joe Pritchard Joe can you believe the season is almost over no I also can't believe I didn't learn how to draw as a kid because if I could draw I could design a jersey for the Alouettes No, wait, what are you saying, Joe, that a child designed the helmet and you're trying to replicate that feeling? Or Well, see, <laughs> if I were if I were to submit a design uh with something I did by hand, it mm. would look worse than that helmet looks. <laughs> I mean, it looks beautiful. The idea I have looks beautiful in my mind, but right. damned if I could put it on paper. Okay, well, let's talk about this then. Joe, of course, is referring to the recent call put out by the Alouettes front office, and I love, I love this too. Uh, you actually are looking at the page as we speak, as I speak, Joe. So perhaps you can fill in the blanks here. But I believe that this is a contest to design the third home, like alternate jersey. Yes, whatever. it is. Okay. Now I thought that the third home jersey was the was the silver one uh well they made the they made a huge change this past season ah. and have got rid of everything from the past and put the blue ensemble and the white ensemble they have together now as far as Wait, the, really so so no we're never gonna see the cavio gray cup winning retro uniform again we're no, never gonna see that again. Maybe if they go ahead and do retro game or whatever, but they remember they they cleansed the palette. They went fresh and new this past season, so they don't have that in their repertoire currently. Uh, so what they're asking for is they're not going to unveil a third jersey until the 2021 season, which gives these new this new look a chance to establish itself. All they're asking for from fans, though, is the jersey, because you can't mess with the helmet and you can't mess with the pants. But if you submit the a contest, uh, jersey to their contest, uh, you get a discount on 2020 individual tickets. The winner gets a full uniform, a $1,000 gift card for, for the Alouette store, and two season tickets for next season. So, if you actually have talent like myself, and... That sounds like a heck of a prize to you. I would say get drawing, like right now. Jeez, a thousand dollars at the Alouette store? Oh yeah. Plus, <laughs> you get the full uni- what, you get a full uniform bit. too. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, you should. <laughs> you should get a whole team's worth of uniforms. You design the thing. So, um, okay. So this begs a couple more questions. All right. So, what are the pants then? What's the uh, design? It's either, it's either they're blue or they're whites. What they're looking for is what does that third jersey look like? Because they got the blue and they got the white. 
the helmets are blue, the pants are blue or white, depending on which jersey they're wearing. Uh, and really, they should flip them, but that's just the way they decided to go with them, is to mm-hmm. go in the full monochrome. Yeah. But they're looking for what that third jersey looks like. It could use the same colors. It could be uh, pastel pink and purple polka dots. They probably won't choose that design, yeah, but, that's but somebody's going to submit that, I hope. No, no. <laughs> the only way uh, uh, another color – the the other color that's going to win is red, right? You're going to have to find ding, some ding, way to ding. use that red. You're going to have to find some way to use that red, right? right? Which is a bummer for me because here's the thing that I always say about the Alouettes uniform. I think they should have at least one alternate jersey with the Quebec blue. You know, the real blue, like the Nordiques used to wear, Uh, you know, that blue, that blue, the blue that they have, I believe is just, you know, old fashioned Navy blue. If, 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 if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, I don't have the greatest eyesight in the world, so I couldn't say for sure, but that's what I wanted. You know, I really would hope that they would take on that color blue someday because it is a unique shade. And no one else in the CFL really has that shade. Uh, red, white, and blue is hardly an original uh, color palette, especially with the shades of red and blue that they're using. And so. what's too bad is that they're not letting you t- touch the helmet because they can go full Concords and have a red jersey, white white helmet, white pants. Nobody else in the league is doing that right now. Either. Right. Right, right. That would be dope, too, because I, I like the monochrome, personally. Um, maybe an all red would be nice, but you got to stick with the pants, right? So, But that, that would actually be a good alternate is to do the monochrome thing except in red with the blue trim. Um, that would be a cool thing to do. But <laughs> they're really putting a limit on this. Maybe they have other designs in mind for you know, their second alternate road. So this road. is very, very much a third jersey mm-hmm. contest. Maybe, you know, my first impulse when I saw the when I saw the contest posted was that, gee, I hope that somebody thinks of something that's as, you know, non-marketable and as abstract as the helmet design. I mean, is that the idea, right? You, you have to make a, you have to put the logo on the jersey, but you have to spread it across the front and the back. And over the shoulders, right? <laughs> That's part of the contest. Is it? That well, <laughs> it's all part. It's all part of it. Uh, they're looking for that third. They want that third uniform out there. Jeez. Well, it would be nice to have that logo, the the proper logo, somewhere on it too, because I like the proper logo, the sort of Falcons esque kind of design. I like that. Anyway, okay. Well, good luck for those of you with more inclinations in graphic design than Joe and I put together, really, honestly speaking. Uh, (laughs) Right. So maybe we should go on to something that eh, perhaps we can talk a little bit more intelligently about, Joe. Last week's games? (sighs) If we must. (laughs) Here we go. Well, I'm kind of down, too, at my team one. Um, Montreal Alouettes 27, Toronto Argonauts 24 led off the week. Uh, i got to say, Joe, your comparison to uh, of Vernon Adams Jr. to Brett Favre a couple of weeks ago, I didn't really take it to heart, but wow, I, I really am starting to take it to heart now. I mean, you know, the gunslinging, the heart attacks, and the turnovers, you know, caused by this questionable let's say decision making uh the plays 
that he makes that no one can pull off. You know, the times are going, no, no, okay. He, all this, all this. Wow. It's, it's enough to give you gray hair, really. And, but what I'm worried about is that the spell is broken. You know, for, from weeks three to about week 11 or 12, Vernon was ripping stuff up. We had the, awesome historical comeback win against the Argos in the, in the fourth quarter led by Mr. Adams. Um, but you know, it's like ever since he swung the helmet, you know, that broke the spell. I, I was looking, I was looking at the, uh, statistics today and, uh, okay. Before the helmet, the five out of eight games previous to that, he had thrown for over 300 yards. In all games to that point, he had thrown 15 touchdowns against eight picks. Since the helmet, 266 yards passing is the most he's gotten in the three games. And five touchdowns versus four interceptions, and that should probably be six or seven if the Argos defenders could have held on a little better on this weekend. The Argo, uh, the Alouettes are two and one in those three games. So, am I right to be skeptical? I mean, I, I, I just suddenly do not like what I'm seeing out of Vernon Adams anymore. So here, here's the, here's the thought process that's going through my head right now. He's that very, he's the exact type of player that can run very hot or very cold. Mm. It's probably a good thing to get that cold streak out of the way before the playoffs, because you know it's coming if it's not here already. Uh, and it's going to be something that maybe you see this same type of player next year, too. Uh, if he can make a leap from the unpredictable but a little bit out-of-control type play he's had this season to being able to harness what he's got, you're going to win Grey Cups. There's no question in my mind about that. Well, he did it's just not going to. It's just not going to happen uh this year or maybe even next he's going to need a little bit more time a little bit more uh, experience as the guy uh, to see hey this doesn't work I need to tighten this part of my game up and this part of my game up and mold himself but what he's got right there is something you can work with mm -hmm. and if you're Montreal is sitting here last year and I told you what you're going to have in Vernon Adams uh, you'd have taken it and run Oh, of course. Yes. I mean, geez, if you told me at the beginning of this season what our record was going to be at the end of this season, I would have thought you were nuts. How many, how many, you know, uh, CFL fans and, and observers and whatnot, you know, had Montreal as the worst team in the league going into this season? Well, Quite a to, few, be fair, or close. to be fair, to be fair, I didn't. I had That's right. Eight and ten. That's right. You did not. And you thought I was nuts. And yes. you still do. I did. No, I don't. <laughs> no, you, you are a good procrastinator. Joe. Uh, right. Did you have BC Lions missing the playoffs? No. Okay. <laughs> who else? Who did, though? All right. <laughs> to be fair, I had them in the Grey Cup. <laughs> right. Okay. So, in other words, what you're saying is we are, what, two and done? Can can we win against the Eskimos in the playoffs? Can oh, we yeah. beat them in Montreal? Oh, yeah. You can. Yeah. Now, if he turns in a four interception performance in the middle of the third quarter and Trevor Harris is actually moving the ball. Maybe not, but uh, going into that game, am I going to pick him? You damn well right. I'm going to. Well, I mean, 
This past game, though, this past game, Vernon ate three touchdowns, zero interceptions. But you're always nervous. And, you know, the game went down to the wire. You know, twice they had to fight off the Toronto Argonauts this season. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, uh, let's let's look ahead a couple weeks from now. They are hosting the Edmonton Eskimos. Right. Let's make the assumption that Trevor Harris is back healthy and ready to go there. All Vernon Adams is going to need to do is make two or three big plays, and he'd have probably outscored Edmonton's offense already. As long this as is... he doesn't hand Edmonton's right. offense points on his own, right. they're going to win that game. Right. Okay, so if the Edmonton defense scores fewer than 12 points, <laughs> Montreal wins that game. Great. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Something <right>. like that. <laughs> okay. Moving onward, um, we could blow through these next two games. Uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders 27, BC Lions 19. Uh, Ryan's overcome a sluggish start to win. Very vanilla style. It's almost as though Saskatchewan is just trying to play out these unimportant games, doing enough to win and not get anybody hurt. I got to say for the BC Lions, uh, we didn't do the show last week for various stupid reasons having to do with technology of various forms. But uh, I wanted to mention, you know, of course, Mike Riley went out last week. BC Lions was eliminated from the playoff contention, RIP BC. Uh, but I just wanted to say I, I like what BC does at quarterback. Uh, Mike Riley goes out and in comes Danny O'Brien. They've got the corner market on the Irish quarterbacks here. They, they love this team in Dublin. I'm telling you. Well, the Bombers are doing their very uh, darn well best to get the UK. So. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It's a fight for European markets. All right. After that, we had Thai Cats 33, Red Blacks 12. Now, the interesting thing about this game is that uh, this game started with a point spread of 16, 16 and a half. Now, th- these are magic numbers in NFL betting because never has – how does it work? Never has a 17-point – no, I think only 20 point spreads of over 17 have been posted. And never has a point spread of over 17 been covered by the underdog. <laughs> so, once again, high, one of the highest point spreads I've ever seen in CFL betting – is covered by the Thai Cats, who, can I say it, Joe? Go ahead. Are humming to the end of this season. They are not letting up. They are not getting the ennui, getting the best of them. They are not becoming complacent. Uh, I suppose we should also say about this uh, game that uh, Lewis Ward, oh, I got some good stats for you, Joe. Lewis Ward was 4 for 4 in this game, scored all 12 points for the Red Blacks. He's now got 128 points. Only eight extra points, can you imagine? 40 field goals out of 45 attempts, eight extra points out of nine. Eight. That's how few touchdowns the uh, Red Blacks have scored this year. Okay, so 128 points. Now, without looking, what percentage of the Red Blacks' total points do you think that is? It's over half. Not quite. 47. It's a bit over it's a bit over 47 percent. But check this out. You'll like this one. If you take away those first two games, of course, in which admittedly Lewis scored 28 points, but the Red Blacks had over 70 in those first two games. Okay, he has scored exactly 100 points 
of get this 195 red blacks points that's over 51 percent of their so points. i was close i can't imagine yeah yeah after those freakish first two games which continue to be a head scratcher to this day i still do not understand what happened in those first two weeks <laughs> and then the bye week. I, it, it still blows my mind. It was just enough to screw us up for about a month. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I wasn't betting too heavily on or against the Red Blacks those first six weeks of the season, that's for sure. In any case, hey, wow. Speaking, I, of, speaking of Red Blacks kickers or former, you see Brett Maher kicked a 62-yarder again this week? Yeah. Good Lord. How about that? How about that? Yeah. I thought it was 63, actually. I thought it's, they measured it at 63. It's been a couple. There's been a couple of them there. I thought they were both 62, but then you might one might be 63. Yeah, you might be right about the second one. Yeah. But he's like a yard away from the NFL record. And would you have yeah. called that when he was in Ottawa? I don't. <laughs> I don't think they ever. They really didn't take advantage of that, did they? <laughs> well, they're taking advantage of their kicker this season. That's for sure. Definitely will be the MOP nominee from. Ottawa, I think, at the end of this season, Ottawa just playing out the string. Okay, now here's the one Joe doesn't want to talk about. You got to admit, Joe, for for eight of the nine CFL markets, this was quite an exciting game. Calgary Stampeders, 37. Winnipeg Blue Bombers, 33. I was at the edge of my seat the whole way. Um, I guess, though, for you, this was kind of rote in that, you know, here's Winnipeg putting up 24 in the second quarter based on two huge turnovers, wicked turnovers, uh, and then kind of just coming out in the second half. Shocking, I know, right? (laughs) The Bombers not doing well in the second half? That's never happened in the history of ever. But there's something I'm actually still still pissed about and it's wednesday night that we're recording this and this happened saturday night what the hell was michael shea doing putting streveler out there on the last drive Mm -hmm. streveler was had two of four limbs damaged at that point he was hurt he was hobbling if he if they were in there to get a first down to run the clock out maybe but his throwing arm is hurt and one of his legs is hurt so how is he going to lead a drive where you need a touchdown because it's a four point deficit and you don't have time to run the ball a lot you got to throw the ball and when they had taken him out earlier in the game Sean McGuire showed off that he actually has a throwing arm that works mm-hmm. why I understand Michael Shea is stubborn and he loves his players and shows a lot of loyalty to them but in this case, it actively hindered the Bombers from being able to uh, physically drive the field. Because you mm-hmm. saw the last throw he made, uh, the just the, re- the last second trying to, trying to do the Hail Mary, lands 20 yards short of the end zone, which mm-hmm. shows you his wing is clipped. Mm-hmm. I understand also that Sean McGuire is a raw rookie and is thrown at that point one pass in the league, one that or two passes in the league. I'm sorry, one of which overshot his target on a deep ball, and one that was a short dump off. But mm-hmm. why don't you use the guy that's healthy to take one more crack at it? It's not like Calgary's got a lot of tape on McGuire. They don't know what he can do. Uh, obviously, you could even have used Kalaros at that point and just said, 
here's three basic plays that you learned this this week. Right, right. That's all right. you've got. Exactly. Just try to try to go deep. Either way, mm-hmm. and I, I would much prefer McGuire because then your playbook's open to you. Mm-hmm. But why make the decision that you have to have a guy that can't run and can't throw in there for the final drive where your chances of first place in the West are hanging by a thread at that point? The game calling in general in this one was weird anyway. <laughs> I uh, I almost felt like, vis-a-vis the quarterback situation, I almost felt like O'Shea said to himself, okay, our backup quarterback in this game is McGuire. That's it. I'm not going to Caleros. That's it. Which is and, understandable. And he stuck to that. And he stuck right. to that. Right. But... He's like, you know, if Strevler, you know, can stand, if Strevler can identify which day of the week it is, he's going to be out there, you know, because I don't like McGuire and I've already made a gentleman's agreement with Zach and I'm not going to play him. Right. You know, because and, I'm sure and he has. Both are, sim- and both are acceptable things to think until Strevler right. is physically unable to perform what he needs to perform to move the team. What was it? 70 yards they needed or so, or something like that in a little over a minute you're not running the ball at that point you're throwing it and he couldn't but see, throw but see this is this is part of O'Shea and La Police's problem again they're not adapting right they don't change it up at halftime they're not making note they stick with the game plan look at this do you remember that first drive coming out of the half it was run 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 I think incomplete pass field goal okay on the that drive, Harris, who was hot already from the first half, got a run of 10, got a run of 8. He was handed the ball three times the rest of the second half. And forget about how, you know, Calgary's got a slight lead and all that. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now as the injuries hit this team. Harris is your weapon. Harris is better than anybody else out there. It doesn't matter if they know he's got it. He's still your best shot. But there's this refusal to go to him anymore, you know, because the the plan says that if we're down four points, we start passing, <laughs> you know, or whatever, whatever their game plan is. You know, it's like no adaptability. It, it's this it's this dogmatic thinking almost ever since, you know, they lost and, their quarter. And, and I have so, to say, I'm not entirely impressed with the defensive game plan of Calgary's either. Oh, well, because. Wow. It, well, and they, there was a bunch of turnovers that led to Winnipeg scoring a lot of points very quickly. But throughout the game, they were failing to adapt to what Winnipeg was doing. There was a lot of times where they were playing their secondary well back, right. and Winnipeg's running the ball down their throats. Right. If right. I'm a defensive coordinator against this Winnipeg team right now, I don't have a guy past 15 yards downfield. Well, I'm, that's well, my that's where my deep safety is. I'm daring. Chris Strevler to throw a streak route uh, down the sideline, and I'm betting that he's not going to make that throw. Okay, okay, but and on if the... I get burned on it, I get burned on it once, and I can go back and adapt. But I'm not going to let them use their bread and butter and run all over me. Well, okay, but on the on the flip side of that, there's this, and that is the Stamps have been playing like this for years. You know, it's bend, don't break. You can get as many yards as you want. You're just not going to put it in the end zone, right? And you take away the, tur- the two turnovers, and all of a sudden the Bombers have, what, 19 points? 
you know, that's manageable. You know, at most you can give 19 points credit to the uh, to the Bombers, you know, special teams and, and, and offense. So that's manageable at that point, right? It's just that, you know, Bo made a couple of gnarly mistakes early and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Winnipeg was scoring, what, 24 points in that second quarter? I mean, that's that's the thing the Stamps didn't plan for. Other than that, they could have played that way. They could have let Harris had 250 yards, you know? If it hadn't been for those two turnovers. So, but yeah, I thought it was a little bit soft. I, th- I, th- I thought they took it for granted. You know what I mean? And uh, I think that if Nichols had been in the game, you wouldn't have seen that game plan. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see what they do because supposedly, uh, well, okay, here's the other thing that's weird about the quarterback situation. Mike O'Shea and whatnot is, as Joe mentioned here, it is this Wednesday evening. Um, the let's say the 23rd of October we'll be releasing this on Thursday the 24th and as of Wednesday night O'Shea still has not admitted who his quarterback is going to be now reportedly Zach Calaris has been taking those first team reps uh, uh, so Joe I think I think you're going to get Calaris next week I think Sh- so too and to be honest if you made the trade for trade for him uh, with the idea that he can help you in the playoffs, he ha- kind of has to, doesn't he? Yep. This Even is if it. Traveler was healthy, you would you have to get him some reps sometime. Otherwise, yep. you're just begging for trouble if he goes down in the first couple plays of the West Semi. Mm-hmm. Here's your here's your late bullpen addition, right here. He's got to he's got to be a stopper here and 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 staunch the bleeding a little bit for this Bombers team. We'll talk about the Bombers' chances or lack thereof against Calgary right after this break. What, 15, 20 seconds? We'll be right back. Podcast. I'm Oz Davis. I'm with Joe Pritchard, my co-host. And right now, we're going to do that thing that we like to call playoffs scenarios with your host, Joe Pritchard. Hey, Joe, give us the playoff scenarios for week 20 in the CFL. Okay. Well, uh, so the East is settled. We know what that is all about. Uh, Edmonton faces Montreal in the East semi because Edmonton has clinched the crossover, crossover spot. They can finish no no other place but fourth in the west and obviously the east only has two playoff worthy teams so here we are and then <laughs> the winner of that game goes to hamilton and dies a horrible death and hamilton goes to the gray cup now the west is still up in the air at least the first three spots so let's just go real quickly uh calgary wins or ties uh, against winnipeg here and calgary clinches a home playoff date first or second which okay. would mean that Winnipeg is third. Uh, Calgary win and a Saskatchewan loss this week means that Calgary clinches first in the division and hosts the Western Final. Now, if Saskatchewan wins or ties, or Winnipeg loses or ties, Saskatchewan clinches that home playoff date just like Calgary would have. So basically, Winnipeg needs to... If Winnipeg wants a home playoff date in any way, shape, or form... They have to beat Calgary, and they have to hope Saskatchewan loses, 
And then they sit there in week 21 and hope that both of those teams lose again, which right, is they have to fairly lose unlikely. Right. right, with Calgary going to BC on that last game of the season. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So the yeah. other two teams are – Calgary has the tiebreaker over Saskatchewan at this point is my understanding, uh, which means the Calgary win and the Saskatchewan loss would launch Calgary into the West Final. And if they both win out, then – Calgary hosts the last final against probably Saskatchewan because uh, Winnipeg exists <laughs> to make me sad. <laughs> Jesus, Joe. Man. Oh, man, I feel bad for you, man. I, I, I do. I do. I'm there. <laughs> um, And look, my team is still a half a game higher in the standings than your team is, and I'm the one moping around. Yeah, well, yeah, and I wasn't, well, we weren't expecting to be here, whereas the expectations were high for Winnipeg uh, this season. You know, a lot of people, I mean, they were one of the vote picks. Basically, I think almost everybody that was sane, you, you note that I'm not including myself here, had, you know, Hamilton, Calgary, or Winnipeg, right? I mean, almost everybody had one of those three teams winning the Great Cup at the start of the season. Idiots like me had BC Lions, but... <laughs> you know, uh, most that people have. That was also a Vogue pick, so, too. BC uh, Lions? You, yeah, you I guess. A lot, yeah, yeah. I actually found a lot less Calgary picking than I thought there was going to be just off of, um, Wait, of the just off of momentum, the fact that Calgary's been in there for the last six, seven years. Uh, but you know who I didn't see uh, picked a lot for the Grey Cup uh, outside of a certain province that's shaped kind of like a rectangle? Uh, Saskatchewan. Hardly anybody had them. <laughs> Outside of Saskatchewan. Yeah. And look and where it, they're at. They're in the conversation. Really, yeah. it re- They're more than in the conversation. It really looks a lot like that. You know, it's going to be very, very interesting. Imagine if it comes down to Hamilton and Saskatchewan. This is two teams that were built up by these all-powerful, you know, little Banana Republic dictator coaches who are now gone. You know. One of them's with the Cleveland Browns, and one of them's awaiting the XFL season. Um, and their teams, meanwhile, could very well be playing for the for the Grey Cup title that they wanted, <laughs> you know, in their terms with those teams. Could be weird. Anyway, let's talk next week's games. All right. So, Joe, are you ready for seconds? <laughs> Calgary at Winnipeg. Uh, what is the line on this the line on this is okay winnipeg are two and a half point underdogs now again presumably as i said in the first half of the show zach Caleros is probably going to start for the bombers which will be really interesting as he's never done that before um who do you got in this game joe <laughs> you're gonna go with the stand so there's a conundrum <laughs> sitting here as a bomber fan right now you always want your team to win because you want your team to win and do well and all that sort of fun stuff. On the other hand, if Winnipeg comes out and beats Calgary here, that opens the door wide open for Saskatchewan to host the West Final. In a season <laughs> where uh, the faith that the Bombers are going to be able to win two away games in the playoffs is fading rapidly. I can't and say you guys, you guys would have to play. You guys would have to play in Calgary and Saskatchewan anyway, right? Back to back. So it doesn't matter which order you get them, right? Right. 
<laughs> I mean, unless unless there's a big topple and Winnipeg ends up second somehow. Uh, but I so I can't say I'm necessarily rooting for Calgary because that feels like a stretch. But I don't think my heart would break too much if Winnipeg lost this one. Uh, I do think Calgary is going to win this one because they have something to play for. And Winnipeg has a wing and a prayer to finish second. And they're going to start a quarterback they just acquired a couple weeks ago. Uh, Yuck. Yeah, and really sad but true. and Kind of the mark of a third-place team in a CFL division. The Bombers are just 2-5. and against the three top teams in the league that I just mentioned, Hamilton, Calgary, and Saskatchewan this season. So, you know, this is part of the reason why Winnipeg is in the spot that they are. Yeah, I I don't know. I got a feeling about Winnipeg in this game and Caleros, but I'll, I'll be safe and take Calgary minus the two and a half in this one. Okay, um, here's the other exciting game of the week. Oh, boy, I've been waiting for this one for a long time. Hamilton at... Montreal. Now, I guess technically this is for pride, right? But this is going to be a message going in. If such a thing exists, let's say this is going to be a message going into the playoffs for both of these teams. I mean, presumably these two teams will meet in the Eastern final. I know it's counting a lot of chickens before they're hatched, but you have to think that that's the favorites. Uh, Edmonton right now is 15 to 1 to win the great cup and the closest to them is Montreal nine to two. So obviously a lot of folks think Montreal is going to be playing in that Eastern final. So lot, nothing riding on this game, but a lot riding on this game. Psychologically, the Montreal Alouettes are two and a half point underdogs. Well, I'm going to, because I got nothing to lose except for some money. So I'm going to go with my team. I'm going to say Montreal wins. I, I've been thinking we're going to win this game for a while. Um, so I'm not going to I'm not going to get off that horse. I'm going to go with Vernon, heart attack Vernon and the Alouettes. Well, it will be interesting. That is for sure. Uh, I don't yeah. think they I don't think they could be Hamilton, though. I just think Hamilton's too good this year. Mm. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm hoping for a, a freakish snowstorm. Maybe that'll even the odds a little bit. Right. Okay. Now, these next two games, you're probably not going to bet on unless you have a gambling problem or unless so you're playing CFL Pick'em. You are going to be. Okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nah, see. Well, see, I, I, I know like our that. buddy Brazilian Ty will be anyway. <laughs> I'm not like that. No, I do not feel the compulsion to bet if there's nothing good to bet. Really, honestly, I, I I kid you not. It's the only way to do it, man. Otherwise, you're going to lose your house, just like they warn you about. Um, I guess only people with a problem are betting this game, like the like the CFL Pick'em people, right, Joe? How's it, How's your number in CFL Pick'em this season? Are you going to go on the record? Let's see. Give me just a second. I will pull it oh, up. Oh, really? Okay, I so not bad. Had, I actually had that pulled up just a second ago because I was entering them as we were talking because otherwise I forget. Because I remember last year about this time I asked you about it and you just kind of harumphed. Uh, I missed a week. I missed a week up. in the middle of the season and I just stopped doing it. This week oh. has been good enough to not forget. So, because yeah. I've been doing it as we go as we go over these. Right. See, uh, Forty-nine and twenty. So not great. Wow. Not terrible. Seventy-one percent. I feel like it could be better. Dude, that's not bad though. If you took that to Vegas, you'd be ahead. Right. Um, okay. So 
those two final games are <laughs> Ottawa at Toronto. Toronto is five and a half point favorites. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't think Toronto should be favored by a touchdown over anybody this season, except Ottawa. I'm definitely going Toronto in this one, if anybody cares. I'm probably not going to watch it, to be honest. Well, the thing you say about Ottawa this year is they aren't good enough. Toronto, and let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, I think this game definitely establishes that Ottawa was the worst team in 2019. I had them at 5-13, and I thought that I was a little low on that. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You were proven wrong. I I will never believe in the Ottawa mystique all by itself ever again. Now, here's uh, the final game is Saskatchewan at Edmonton. This line just came up because it was just announced that Edmonton will be starting Trevor Harris at quarterback. Um, <laughs> the line, interestingly enough, is Saskatchewan favored by a point. Now, I don't understand the thinking here unless it's simply that Saskatchewan is going to be tight. But, jeez, I mean, I can't imagine the sports books like basing a line on something so abstract. I I, I don't get this line at all. So I'm going to take Saskatchewan and not think about it so much. I'm going to take them too. I just feel like they're too well coached to fall into any sort of a trap idea in this one. Edmonton has nothing to play for and Harris is rusty. Uh, Not so concerned about the rustiness as I am about Saskatchewan needing this one. I guess especially with Calgary likely have wanting have won the game the night before. Let's see. Is this the, I guess the only, nope. I guess the only thing you could say Edmonton has to play for is this is the last home game. That's about that's about it because Edmonton is fourth in the West no matter what. Right, right, right. So, but I, that's not enough. <laughs> I've got Saskatchewan. You've got Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. I th- I agree. They're too disciplined. They got too many veterans. You know, except for their quarterback who might just be MOP. It's either got to be him or Dane Evans, right, Joe? And got a nice extension, and their head yeah. coach is in the running for coach of the year. I mean, yeah, this is a dream scenario for the Riders, except they might have dreamt about having one more victory over Calgary. Yep, yep, exactly, exactly. Because, you know, I, I, it, it's, you know, we say this all the time, those who look at the CFL and the NFL, you know, there's a real comparison between the modern Stamps and the modern Patriots. And... Despite the feel-good story of the Riders and just the nice things that they've been doing, it might just be the Stamps winning it all again this year, Joe. If At it were, home with me sitting there going, I hope it's not too cold. Right. <laughs> so, so if I told you right now, okay, I've, I've time-traveled to the future, I've come back, I won't tell you the result, but the Grey Cup is Calgary and Hamilton. Who would you take? I would take Calgary for two reasons. Wow. Okay. One is it's a home game. And Hamilton has a hell of a time winning there. Just go, Mm -hmm. just go back a few, uh, like a month or month or six weeks ago or whatever, where Trey Roberson pretended he was Superman for a while and blocked that field (laughs) goal. That's the kind of crap that happens to Hamilton and Calgary. 
also the fact that Hamilton has has had some trouble being consistently good over the course of the last 20 years that might have something to do with it too but even when they're when everything seems to be lined up for them that kind of thing happens yeah see this is yeah the second thing is calgary's going to be a little bit more healthy uh they got the uh, dean evans is going to be hamilton's quarterback going forward i think but Mm -hmm. calgary's been there before too this is hamilton's first time i could see a scenario where next season we're reenacting 98 and 99 where calgary had been the team that had a little bit more um that had been there before and won right. in 98 with the, with the last yeah. with the last second field goal and yeah. then the next year hamilton just comes in has been there before now and just stomps all over them i could see that <clears> scenario <throat> if we're going to play the let's project what happens next year wow 13 months too early well i mean there's a lot to be said for that prediction joe because for one you'll make a lot of bank on that and for another thing look the truth is and and i meant to kick this in earlier but i'm glad i get a chance to kick this in now the reason why calgary was not as vogue at the beginning of this season as they had been last season was again they replaced 13 of their 24 starters well guess what those 13 starters have been assimilated and if these guys are in the gray cup if these guys win the gray cup well it's like the whole pick apart thing it's like singleton was never even there you know it's like it never happened so so you're saying calgary is the canadian borg just please wait to be assimilated (laughs) oh Oh man, I love a good Star Trek reference. <laughs> yes, that you may be bored. the only Star Trek reference you'll ever get out of me. So <laughs> treasure that one. Keep that one uh, nice and handy. I'm enjoying it, Joe. I'm enjoying it. You will be assimilated. Your cultural and technological distinctiveness will be added to our own. Uh, do you got <laughs> Do you got any last words before you become one with the Borg Collective? <laughs> I just hope that uh, we have a Chinook the day the, of the Grey Cup, so I'm not sitting there freezing while I watch Calgary win the thing. Oh, okay. All right. So, Joe, you, you opened up a can of worms there. Uh, for our viewers who may not know, please describe what a Chinook is. Uh, my understanding is it's a wind that comes down out of the Rocky Mountains that makes things feel like it should be, uh, you know, middle of the fall instead of winter. Right. So, so basically. It's a Canadian Zephyr. Yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice little warm breeze that makes things feel nice. And then, you know, three hours later, it's a blizzard, and then it's warm again, and then it's uh, apparently Calgary can have all four seasons in the span of you know twelve hours. See, I always thought Schnook was one of those Yiddish insults, <laughs> you know, like Schmiel or Putz. <laughs> I've heard it used like that. I swear to God, he's just a schnook. Uh, in any case, right. Well, there you go. There's Oz Davis uh, demonstrating his Yiddish expertise. And on that, we will definitely sign it off for the Rouge, White, and Blue. This is Oz Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard. We are out of here for this week. Enjoy week 20. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. <laughs>